BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, and Vince LaCoco. Folks, welcome in to From the Pink Seats Podcast. If you don't remember me, I'm Jacob Lane. Happy to be back here on the show. It's been a couple of weeks. I'm trying to figure out if I know how to work this stuff. I got on and my microphone was muted. Matt's like, can't hear you. I'm like, well, everything's the same. Nope, microphone's muted. We are back. And I'm glad to see that I, me being away from the show doesn't lead to losses. That's great news. So now I can come back. We'll see this week. Maybe that's that's on the other side. <laughs> but it's it's great to be back and talking Louisville football. I'm joined, as always, by my good friends, Matt McGavick, Vincent LaCoco. The gang is all here. And it's been a rough couple of weeks with schedules, man. But it is. I know. This has been this has been a couple of weeks in the in the making here. Look at us. We're back. I don't know what you're talking about. I've been here the whole time. That's right, man. You are consistent. You are just grinding week in, week out, man. I got to give it to you. Us, me and Matt dropping the ball over here on our attendance. Not not perfect I'm, students. I'm just glad that me being away didn't result in a loss. <laughs> well, Though if I, I meant I had to stay in Key West. Eh, eh. Well, I was going to say, over the course of the, the amount of time that you have been gone from home base from our show, I think there's been one loss. But we did welcome you back, and we'll see. If there's a loss this week, we might have another story. To I definitely had, like – Best quote caption of your tweet, Matt. I know you. I know you love that one. That that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of humor around here. At least Fuck you got Matt to interact <laughs> with you. We wish Matt a happy birthday with our favorite pictures, and Matt just liked it. Like that's just what we get. To you gotta come. With. You gotta come better than. Like, <laughs> I know. Matt, you're like, haha, Matt. You missed our recording, but you know, happy Matt, day. Matt on social media is like uh, that episode of The Office when Andy Bernard uh, and Daryl are going at it and Daryl tells him he's one bad text away from being blocked, but I'm one good text away from a high five. So Matt, I will continue on. And when I get your attention, I'll know it because you'll reply back. But hey, we are excited to be here talking Louisville football. As I mentioned, it's been a great couple of weeks for the cards. Coming off another victory, dominant at home. We will get onto the details tonight on From the Pink Seats podcast. Subscribe anywhere you get your shows, including YouTube. Be sure to follow us at Pink Seats Pod at U of L Report, uh, and when, of course, you can find us on the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Thanks to our partners, Kern's Corner. They are the ones who power the network. We appreciate them for all their support. You know the deal. So thank you to Kern's Corner, and and fellas, we've got big news. We have got a new presenting sponsor on the show, ladies and gentlemen. Things are are glowing up here. It's glow week and we're glowing up. That's right. Love to see it. We are super excited. Frankfurt <laughs> Avenue Liquors. I'm telling you guys, this is a hidden gem in Louisville. If you've not been there, 
Uh, it is over, of course, off of Frankfurt Avenue, right next to the Manhattan Project. Uh, and they have one of the coolest things that you can have. They have a liquor store and a bar. What better? You go in, you shop, you get your liquor, and then you buy a beer. Or if you're not sure what you want to drink, you test it at the bar. They've got award-winning mixologists, over 600 whiskeys, man. That The selection is, is ripe over there. Go in, check them out, uh, and tell them that you heard us talking about them right here on From the Pink Seeds podcast. Because shout out to Frankfurt Avenue Liquors, big Louisville fans. Uh, and if you remember back in the day, the fellas used to, when they owned a different business, used to take out the goalpost beer bong. And this was a Louisville football goalpost that had two beer spouts on, on one on either side. So we're trying to get them to bring that back, man. That would be quite the uh, it, the fun. Is it, kind was of it like- the one for the Florida State game? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. I don't know if it's actually. Everyone claims to have a piece of the goalpost from that game. How cool would that be, though? That would be pretty cool. Is it kind of like Baskin Robbins too, where there's like 32 flavors, and I can try all 32 flavors, and you know, yeah. Well, you try try 32 flavor flavors at Frankfurt Avenue Liquors, and you might you might need to get picked (laughs) off the floor, my friend. Sir, (laughs) you have tested the entire bottle. Yeah, right. (laughs) But seriously, though, and two, you have to Uber. They they've got um, a great space over there inside, outside, some really cool spots. Uh, it is, like I said, it's a hidden gem. It is really a first class experience in terms of just meeting a make, meeting a buddy for a beer, uh, one to drop in and watch a game or just looking for, you know, a place to to work in the late afternoon or on the weekend. Can't thank them enough to, for coming on board uh, here at the, the late point of the season. But uh, like I said, you all go out and support them. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's the, the housekeeping news. Again, follow us on Twitter at Pink Seats Pod. Let's just real quickly run through the little myriad of topics here. I've got to tell you all my favorite thing from the little football game. I saw this in real time. And then as I was going through our pictures uh, over the weekend from Jared Anderson, uh, State of Louisville, I, I found – the the best hype men that I did not know existed for Louisville football. Um, and it really contributes to a storyline that's that's just taking the world of college sports, and that's the band. When you really think about it, the band is like the most football-ish group of guys and gals that you could really ask for. They are there for the party, for bringing the hype, you know, whether it's some Mozart, whether it's some future, some young thug, like there's a little bit of everything for everybody. They have a very crucial job, uh, but shout out to the fellows on the field who were celebrating and got caught in the picture with just three of the ultimate celebration faces. I don't know if you all have seen this, but we shared it on, on our Twitter account um, and it, it goes right, right in line. I don't know if you all saw the tweet of the, the tuba player with the absolute knockout blow at Texas Southern. I did see that, yeah. What do we think about that, man? What if you just got knocked out by a tuba see, player? I am of the opinion of if someone's coming up to you and just verbally harassing you and just won't get out of your face, I think you have the right to just sock them in the face a couple times. Nobody yeah. flinched, man. Like, they just yeah. all kept it moving. Just kept playing in stride. Good on him. I'm sure that was difficult. Yeah, I mean – it's kind of like the Mike Tyson quote of, you know, everybody having an opinion now that you have social media and everything. And, you know, it's going to eventually bite somebody in the ass. Yeah. My, my man got a couple of hooks in a haymaker, dude, uppercut while wow. dude was still playing his tuba. Did not miss a, a beat. Uh, literally. <laughs> How about that? How about that, man? Just a great went, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't imagine witnessing that. And I would almost like it would be one of those moments where you just like everybody probably celebrates because, again, and uh, videos don't offer you the full story. But, you know, there's the meme of the fuck around and find out like homie stepped to the wrong the wrong tuba player. Oh, he found out. He found out the hard way. 
Um, how about this though? Okay, I I, t- I tweeted this out, and I, I really jokingly, you know, want to see where we come up on this one. I don't know if you all saw the video that went viral over the weekend. I think it was from the Philadelphia Eagles game. Eagles Dallas, yeah, I know. Eagles Dallas, okay, all right. And we have pretty pretty common on the sidelines for football guys, you know, and gals to get knocked down by players uh, as tackles go out wide, and um, you know, we've seen some pretty. Uh, unfortunate incidents, even one here locally with a media member who was maybe a little too close um, to the field. And that's what happened here, right, in this game. Uh, and most of these guys, they bounce right back up, man. They're, you know, they're smacking the dudes on the helmets. They're ready to go. Uh, but as one of the support staff members for the Eagles is pulled up, a little uh, bit of undergarments <laughs> is exposed, all right? And and these undergarments aren't just your typical, you know, compression shorts or pads or uh, boxers no it's just a full red thong okay um and i i i don't know man i you know this football's a weird sport sometimes things happen and people find ways to be more look if it, you know i could see nick saban saying if thongs are going to make you better than wear a thong you know like it's classic football well the yankees back in the day Derek jeter is notorious for being in a slump and putting a thong on to have to you know get a hit or whatever to get out of a hitting slump I would never do it. I, that's, I mean, I would figure something else out. I'd change up my bologna egg and cheese sandwich or somewhere I was going to get my <laughs> gas station food. I don't know if the green thong would be my go-to. Do thongs belong in football is the real conversation and question of the week. They used like, to wear a, uh, what's it called? Jock straps or whatever. Yeah. And those, you know, as listener Keith pointed out on Twitter this week, yeah. that, that is technically a thong, you know, it's, it's, a little different in shape and size, but it does it does the same thing, right? Matt's where what's your take on this? Thongs in football? Listen, if if it if it makes you feel comfortable, I'm okay. I can't even say I'm not gonna judge you. I might judge you a little bit. But <laughs> if if it makes you feel comfortable, then do it. I mean I'm, no way yeah. that's comfortable. I'm I, I'm telling you, man. Look, those guys on the sideline, whether it's this season, we've seen the gummy bear guy, now we got the thong guy. Like we're really seeing these characters come out on the sideline. I, I'm I here the for smelling salt guys. Whatever happened to those guys? Yeah, the smelling. You see, you you would strike me as a smelling salt guy. You're intensive enough, so I could see Love it, man. Awesome. Yeah, I would much yeah. rather wake up and just smash some smelling salts than drink a coffee any day of the week. What I've never. This would probably be good content. Used, I've never used smelling salt. What what would that be like? Oh, so, God, that'd be amazing. I used to, like, my favorite would be, like, crushing two of them up and putting them in, like, the little Gatorade cups, shaking it up. I mean, I, there, a bunch of people do this. You shake it up and just fucking go straight. Just chug it? No, you don't drink it. You just freaking big old Oh, oh smell it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Big okay. old whiff of it. And, you know, if you ain't coughing, you ain't hitting it right. Yeah, that's yeah, I mean, your eyes will start right watering there. and freaking, oh, it's awesome, though. You want to talk about, like, head rush ready to go? You should definitely try it, Jacob. Okay, yeah, we might if have to get some smelling salts. anybody give you a bottle smelling salts, like twist-off cap ones, be very cautious. Because those okay. are ones that, like, <laughs> like you know what? Stick your nose all the way up in there and get a good whiff. It smells like roses. Mm-hmm. It's extracurriculars of football just are so enticing man there's just so many elements of this from smelling salts to thongs that just all these little these little details make this the greatest game on on the planet of earth right i mean it's just it's every week 
Uh, I, I'm finding out more and more how much I love football and how awesome football guys are, even if they wear a thong. Like you, you, Matt said, judge. I won't judge you, man. If it's aerodynamic and you can get moving and you do your job better, then you do you, man. I mean, where's getting you. whooped by a dude in a thong? It, yeah, no. I mean, and it's also it, it, like it was in a situation where home, like his homie almost lifted him up by his thong. So he almost got like a, like a super wedgie. Maybe that's, yeah. maybe that's the Eagles like – Trick is they're all out there in thongs and everything. Just no Jason wonder they like to push push so much. Yeah, dude, right. <laughs> there it is. They all have thongs on. <laughs> Makes so much more sense. I mean, it is just it's just cheeks jiggling, man. The ass smash and the tush push is a little bit more enticing when your teammates are wearing thongs, I guess. Like that's just the way it goes in Philly. Uh let's see what else we got on the speaking of birds. How about the Ravens, man? Uh, Super Bowl favorites. What do you guys think? I mean, I know that it's not, uh, it's not in the point yet where we're seeing teams, you know, really like because anything can happen. Injuries happen any week, but I, I feel like the Ravens are proving that that defense is legitimate enough to win a championship. I'm getting tired of everyone calling the Dolphins frauds. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I mean, the Dolphins certainly haven't done themselves any favors because they looked bad against Philly. They didn't look that great against the Chiefs. And I, I if we're gonna Pick Super Bowl favorites. I mean, I know it's early. I would say probably the Chiefs got to be up there. Seems I would like say we're Chiefs towards a rematch. Depends on yeah, if Taylor's supposed Chiefs to be Dolphins. I would probably pick as uh, as an AFC championship. You freeze. I don't know. I can't tell if he's still just staring at us or if he's frozen. But neither. <laughs> 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 I'm so confused on what just happened. My goodness. Yeah, the birds though. The birds. The it's the year of the birds, man. The NFL. That's how way it goes. The Ravens uh, doing their thing, but. um I don't know, man. The receivers for the Ravens, they still – I just cease to be great. amazed at how they drop footballs. You know what's crazy is, like, we've bashed the Ravens receivers probably every week we've been on this show throughout the season, and I somehow managed to have OBJ, Nelson Aguilar, and uh, somebody else who's also on their receiving core on my fantasy team for whatever reason. <laughs> Yeah, that's very unfortunate hanging, for you. Hanging out on my bench. Well, when you look at the Ravens, though, I mean, look the, at their schedules. They've got some of the best wins in the NFL. I mean, you'd have to kind of pull up Philly's schedule and, and Kansas City. I know that they've they've won a couple of really big games, obviously. But, you know, they, they beat Cincinnati. They've beaten Cleveland, both of which, as of today, would be playoff teams in the NFL. They, they absolutely laid the smackdown on Detroit and Seattle. Again, two teams that would be – in the playoffs. Now I know they played a, a game closer against Tennessee. They dropped the game against the Colts. Uh, that should have been a dub refs really, really got in the way there at that one. And then you beat Houston. So, I mean, uh, they're not, they're not a team that's been, you know, beating a bunch of, of, you know, losing teams each week. They, they've, they've definitely dropped a clunker um, or two, but both games have been decided by less than seven points or seven points or less. So, I mean, this is a team that's really, couple of bounces from uh, looking at an undefeated schedule. And then when you look at what's left for them, I mean, they still have to play Cleveland and Cincinnati, the Chargers. Then they'll have Jacksonville, San Francisco, Miami, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, or sorry, Pittsburgh at, uh, to conclude the season. So we're going to really find out what they are. If they stay healthy, guys, I'm telling you, I mean, that record, um, you know, I know it's tough, but I mean, I, I think that they're probably going to walk out with probably only Two, two or three more losses, max, unless they Lamar have just needs injuries. to eliminate the turnovers, man. I think he's last said yeah. it last year. He's had like a turnover every single game. Yeah, he, he's. Had, it seems like he's had a lot more of them this year than he had in the last. Fumbles. Couple of it seems like it's more fumbles than anything. And I don't watch the Ravens enough to. Yeah, and look, he has had a fair amount of fumbles. 
uh, some of those can be pinpointed on the running back. I mean, it's interesting. You you saw this up close and personal. I mean, he there was a lot of exchanges that went south when he was at Louisville between you know Reggie with Brandon Radcliffe with you know all those guys. Jeremy Smith. You know what just, they need to the, go with? When in doubt, let him take the ball. Yeah, I think that that's what they were saying on the broadcast right. when Justice Hill and and he had that exchange that kind of went south, but. The running backs that they have, I mean, they've played 52 running backs in the last three years. I mean, they nobody there can stay healthy. I don't know what it is about Baltimore running backs, but uh, they've got Gus Edwards now who, let's go Gus. I'm riding the Gus bus on the fantasy side of things, trying to to come back from a really, really crappy start. Uh, and he has been balling, man. I think he's got like five touchdowns the last two weeks. That's a legitimate running back. Well, I'm pretty sure that like the Ravens strength and conditioning coach was voted one of the worst in the league by players. Yikes. So, That's an award I, think, I wouldn't I, want. I think I do remember hearing or something. Or like training like staff, something associated with the Ravens and like one of those two departments was voted worst in the league by players or one of the yeah. worst in the league by players. And, I mean, to me, you got all these running backs getting hurt and, you know, key players getting hurt all the time. That's like ground zero of where I would focus my point of attack. You might want to flip that spot. But, I mean, that's just me. I'm not a GM. What do I know? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, all right, final three topics. I'm going to give you all the choice here. Do we want to talk a little Purdue, Michigan, maybe some little ties in the the scandal of the uh, of the the signs? Do we want to talk uh, some interesting comments by a former player uh, that would be indicative of uh, some funny business behind the scenes of as a coaching staff, a, a previous staff, or do we want to talk about JoJo Stone? Where do we want to go here with the final quick hit before we jump into the Virginia Tech game? Like JoJo. All right, let's talk JoJo. I don't know about you. I feel like you have JoJo stuff just at the hip, ready to roll. We don't talk a ton about recruiting in season simply because we we keep it pretty, you know, tight on game recaps and game previews and big news and, and funny business like band members knocking out, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, fans that are trying to step. But JoJo Stone, man, that's a huge piece to the 2024 recruiting class that's quietly – kind of coming together right before our eyes. I mean, I know it's been a while since we got, since Louisville's gotten a commitment, but JoJo Stone, four-star receiver. Matt, what are we getting uh, here with the, with that big commitment for the cards? Um, yeah, this is definitely someone who specializes on um, running after the catch or like specializing kind of in space. I uh, did a kind of a breakdown on him after he committed kind of, it kind of caught me off guard because I didn't expect him to commit on the visit. I thought he would maybe commit. That's pretty cool. I love, I love that. I oh love yeah, that. I did too. Yeah. But no, this, this is someone where like he is a blue chip recruit simply because of how deadly he is with the ball in his hands, whether he comes out of the backfield, whether he's in the, sl- in the slot, whether he's going on a wide receiver screen, he, he has a knack for kind of feeling out, how to attack the defense after he's got the ball in his hand and kind of navigating his way upfield, whether whether it's a really good first step. He gets to his top gear in a hurry. His acceleration might be the, the thing that stood out to me the most on top of him being able to weave, bob and weave his way through traffic up the field. If there is any cause for concern, he's not a super developed wide receiver per se. Like He, he doesn't run a super diverse route tree and his route running was kind of and he he does run really good curl routes and shows good concentration on deep shots, but like he'll certainly need to be coached up and developed as it pertains to like becoming like an intermediate or downfield threat downfield threat excuse me. But as it pertains to like in the short area of the field and pure just yards after catch ability, oh he, he's a bona fide playmaker and 
just that ability in and of itself is more than enough to merit him being a blue chip recruit. Yeah, I mean, look, when you look at the skill position uh, since Jeff Ramos got here, uh, they have uh, Louisville's really taken care of business, um, you know, from both the portal side of things and, you know, the incoming freshmen this past year with guys like Katarus Hicks, Jaleel McClain, uh, William Fowles, obviously Jamari Thrash, Kevin Coleman have been massive additions. Jadon, uh, I always say Jadon. I don't know why I cannot pronounce the name Jaden. It is simply the easiest <laughs> name to say, but I have convinced myself that I can't ever pronounce it correctly. And then Jimmy Calloway. So, I mean, they've brought in skill position players. And when you're looking at the top of this class, you know, look, it doesn't have the star power that it had a year ago with guys like Pierce Clarkson and Madden Sanker, but uh, JoJo Stone, top 300 player in the country, according to 247 Sports. Dylan Messman, the tight end uh, for Michigan, top 400. And, uh, Isaac Brown, a four-star running back. Duke Watson, uh, another running back. Then you have Deuce Adams. Then you have Xavier Porter, Fred Johnson, Sean Boykin from Radcliffe. I mean, this class is really starting to round itself out. And now with some of the new rules in college football where you can go one for one and you're not on a scholarship pitch anymore, they can add based off of who deflects this offseason. So we'll likely see the portal be used again. You know, there are some key positions where Louisville loses, um, you know, depth. They lose quality veteran starters that have been there. And we'll see how Jeff Brom attacks the quarterback position, the left tackle position, some of these key spots where they can keep the momentum rolling into next year. Uh, and you're not risking taking a step back. So it's great to see the recruiting coming along. I mean, it's been really quiet. It really has been. Um, and some of the recruits early on, now they have really kind of bumped up the charts towards the back end. There were several guys who were not in the top, you know, 1,800 in the country when they committed. But now Louisville's, uh, you know, guys at the bottom have started to develop and have big seasons and kind of shown that, um, you know, they are worth, you know, being one of those guys that you get on early compared to, you know, some of the bigger names. So great to see overall. That's big, uh, and it really highlights an incredible weekend. So let's just jump into it. Louisville-Virginia Tech. It's a game that uh, we really didn't know what to expect going into it because Virginia Tech had come in um, playing so well, uh, blowing teams out, you know, kind of proving that they weren't what they were when they started the season. And then, bam, Louisville happens. 34-3. Let's go. What do we think? Let's, do we want to just jump right into Vince's game notes? What we got for this game, because, I mean, it's just one of those where the physicality, the dominance is what you want from your Louisville football team. It was just it was just a straight teeth kicking from the first second that special teams whistle blew on the kickoff. It's time to get down to brass tacks. It's Vince's game notes with Vincent Lacoco. Well, for me, obviously, it starts with Isaac in his incredible game uh who i can't i think presley called it last week so you got to give presley his flowers for that uh <laughs> talking about that uh you know the offensive line really just dominated the point of attack it was uh nice to see considering all the injury factors that was going in throughout the week and everything uh but just them being able to establish that point on the other side of the line, line of scrimmage and Isaac as well was just getting his legs up and driving through extra contact. Uh, uh, Matt, I asked you for that yards after contact stat. I didn't even put it on on my notes. <laughs> uh, for me, his yards after contact was, I mean, was the story of everything. And that's it was eighty nine, by the way, <laughs> eighty nine. But that's something that a lot of you know NFL scouts and stuff will look at. Is okay. Well, obviously, it takes more than one guy to bring him down, but. Uh, 
Whenever I was talking about injuries earlier, the main one for me, and Jeff talked about it uh, as well during the press conference, was Brian Hudson. Now, Matt, what exactly is wrong with Brian? Has he said anything? Nothing's I, wrong with Brian is what Brian would tell you. Yeah, I know. I mean, <laughs> it's awesome. I love it. <laughs> Brom alluded a few weeks ago that he was hurt, and he's never specified what he was hurt with. And honestly, well, if I was none the wiser, I would think he was fully healthy by the way he's been playing, performing, you'd warming have to up. Chop his leg off. Is exactly. that our clue? It's a leg injury, maybe. I don't know. Brom well, said leg. He could have said arm. He could have said fingers. Well, seeing just the fact that he he's not practicing all throughout the week, and he was talking about him getting you know just these minimal walkthrough reps and stuff. Uh, we used to do that with Boosie Whitlow in 2019, and it's something that can definitely be very beneficial if you have these older players. Uh, that know the role, know what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, but it's also very beneficial to your backups because your backups are now getting a lot more reps. Your backup center is getting reps. Uh, and that bumps up, you know, the third string center getting more reps. So it kind of all works out for everyone. Uh, Brian Hudson, you were a tough son of a bitch. And he also made uh, the little video look sick as well. That was that was pretty cool. We'll get to that later on, though. Yeah, some acting. How about that? We got some real actors on this team this year. The center and the quarterback are like the Peyton Manning <laughs> and Jeff Saturday. Of right. Speaking of the quarterback, his low pass attempts uh, this past week, it's, which, I mean, I think it's awesome. We've been preaching on the show for a while. Uh, you know, we have three really good running backs. Why we don't? You, well, we have been utilizing Jawar. Uh, we just now got to see, you know, Isaac, whenever he steps up and decides to be that man back, uh, only do time for Maurice Turner to get that opportunity and have his ex- uh, explosive breakout game. Uh, but keeping Jack down to minimal passing attempts and allowing for him to run the offense consistently, uh, just get the ball in the hands of your playmakers and let them go to work. You know, we're not looking for Superman ball. We don't need him to be. Tom Brady, I know preseason, I was like, man, that'd be awesome if he had like a Joe Burrow type season. Well, guess what? We're not here, and I just need him to run the damn offense. And he did he did that perfectly last weekend. So, yeah, I mean, he's feeding the studs, and it's it's your Coach Petrino, Coach Brom, uh, you know, one-on-one stuff. And I expect him to, you know, obviously get guys that can push the ball downfield more, but this is exactly what Jeff wanted out of Jack. Uh, moving on to the defense, we'll talk about the importance of the defensive line. The uh, D line basically won, in my opinion, the game for us because it all starts, you know, up front with the offense and the defensive line and the fact that they can establish pressure and uh, get their hands on the guys. And a lot like the offensive line, establish a point of attack on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, it's huge and. They're scheming things up well, and they're doing – everybody's doing their job. Nobody's trying to play hero ball saying, hey, I can shoot this gap right here. I'm confident. Uh, No, they're all running their stunts, and everything is working out exactly how the defense is supposed to be played, Uh, which I've said it before is I never thought that the Jeff Brom defense and the defensive line would be the most exciting thing about his football team, which is cool to say, and – you know, who knows? I don't know if this is going to be the future of Louisville football where we're talking about defensive line. But, hell, if it is, then I'm here for it because we'll win a lot more football games that way because defense will always win you championships. I, I think it speaks volumes to the evolution of Jeff Brom as a head coach. I mean, that was 
a little bit of a talking point, something that was kind of brought up in the preseason and bits of the offseason of okay, like, okay, we know what Jeff Brom is known for. We know he's known for, you know, high flying offenses, passing the ball. But, you know, when we had opportunities to chat with Brom over the offseason, he talked about how he's kind of evolved as he's gone from Conference USA to the Big Ten and now it's the ACC, how he's had to kind of, you know, embrace the run a little bit and kind of adjust his, his, Play style, play style, and play calling accordingly, like based on what he has at his disposal, based on what he, who he's facing in front of him, based on what's working, based on what's not working, and not just pass the ball, pass the ball, pass the ball, pass the ball, some more. And throughout the the last couple of weeks, when after seeing how his tip, his prototypical like Jeff Brom ball of just throwing it like fifty times didn't work against Pitt, he's it it speaks a lot that he and his staff have kind of reined in a little bit back and taken a more low risk, taking a more conservative approach and taking what they have and doing what they do well, which is right now run the ball and then execute in the front seven. And they've, they've accepted it. They're not trying to do anything else, but utilize these two things. And they, we are seeing the, the fruits of their labor so far. I mean, the college football playoff rankings came out like an hour and a half ago. And they're up to number eleven in the country. I, I mean, I didn't see this coming. A lot. If anyone who said they saw this coming was just being hopeful, but we legitimately, legitimately are in a situation where Louisville is not only in the driver's seat to reach Charlotte, though. If they win out the regular season, take down Florida State in the ACC and the ACC championship, maybe have some chaos happen around the college football landscape. Louisville could be in the mix for a college football playoff berth in year one. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm not saying it's not going to happen. And that is partially because of how Jeff Brom has adapted to his surroundings and what he has. I I mean, you hit the nail on the head, bro. It's just, it's, it's wild to me. It's awesome to see this defense playing and hitting on all cylinders and, just flying around to the football. There's constantly two, three guys at the point of attack. Uh, I mean, Virginia Tech opened up with a screen that looked to be like a busted play, in my opinion, because, I mean, they had a running back going out for a swing route and running a running back for a screen, and it just completely triggered one of our the, – the running back flaring out triggered one of our safeties, and it just made for a busted play for their end. But there's still two and three guys around the football at all times. Where it seemed like Virginia Tech had their most success was spreading us out, and this is kind of what worries me. Whenever we play other teams, is uh, teams that have the capability of spreading our defense out because they do have a passing threat and they can also run it like right up the gut. And it's that's where you know isolation ball. You know maybe TJ Quinn and guys shooting gaps too much might bite us in the butt. But other than that, I mean you can't not be happy with the performance that the guys had on Saturday. Uh, you know, now they just need to carry it over into Thursday, Thursday, short preparation week. And, you know, it's, it's a tough thing to do, but Jeff Brom and his staff are more than capable of doing it. Yeah. One of the, one of the best runs of the day from Virginia tech, I actually was just looking at, I got video and that from where we were sitting and, and part of the reason we, we saw early, some of their struggles is these defensive ends, they take such wide angles and it allows these holes to open up between the tackles where they're able to make a play. And then if you just can hit a hole, make one guy miss, it's a completely different story. Yeah. So, so if they're in a two by two situation, you know, an ACE, ACE set where guys are already spread out, that's going to be, you know, DN's coming up field. Like you're talking about Jacob, that's, 
that's going to suck. That's where we're going to get hit for, you know, a 25 yard rush or, yeah. possibly a, you know, 40 yard rush. That's for six. Exactly. Right. And we saw some of that early in the season against Georgia tech with Travion Cooley. We've seen some of that uh, in other games uh, as well. And it definitely is a cause for concern um, when you're talking about some of the biggest games that still lie ahead on the schedule for them. But in this game, I mean, they truly, like I like I mentioned, I mean, they just came out and wanted to kick the teeth in of Virginia Tech. I mean, the first the first position of the game, I believe they have a sack on the second play. You talk about that first play is a, a screen pass that goes nowhere. I mean, they really proved really quickly um, defensively that they were going to be able to get off the field. And then offensively, they have three drives in the first half. I mean, Jeff Brom talked about this in his press conference this week. That just almost like never happens. And when it does, you typically find yourselves in a really, really bad situation. Thankfully, Louisville wasn't in that spot because the defense was playing well, but they go on the first drive, nine plays on the second drive, six plays. And on the the, th- the third drive in which they ultimately missed that 20 uh, something yard field goal, they go 11 plays. So really controlled this game uh, with the running attack, specifically with uh, the the combination of Jawar Jordan and Isaac Garando. Um, and they also threw some Jack runs in there, man. I mean, Jack had a couple of nice plays. It wasn't anything to, you know, that it would, you know, show up on a, a depth. I trust him to get start. six. I trust him to get six to eight yeah. if you needed him to. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I now, think I'm not that, saying let's go out here and we, I think we ran like a freaking draw play or whatever, <laughs> like two or three weeks ago, if y'all remember that. Yeah. But none I, of that. None of that. No, 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 no. Exactly, man. That's exactly what I was just going to say. Like at the first, fourth, I, I think they went for it on fourth down, maybe in the first, first drive or second drive. And, and I'm thinking to myself, my God, if you just come out and you don't do anything but run the ball right down I formation yeah, with right. Dwayne Martin leading the way, you're you're out of your mind. Speaking of Dwayne Martin, man, that dude is coming with <laughs> the hammer every single time. I mean – I would trust myself running behind Dwayne Martin, holding the football up in the air. Because, I mean, he's just going to – he's going to knock somebody over. He is a bull. So is Nate back there. If you watch mm-hmm. Nate on Jawar's touchdown run, I mean, shoot all the tight ends. They're blocking really well. It's, I mean, it's turning into one of those positions where they might not be catching a lot of balls, but they're sure as hell making their impact felt on the blocking game. Yeah, and I thought it was really interesting. I think I texted you about this early in the first quarter. And uh, Presley and I both noticed that they were lining up two tight ends in slot positions. They were doing some really interesting yeah. things with those guys out there. Just, I, I feel like Jeff's like, look, they're not the greatest, but we're just going to do weird stuff, and you got to just guess and figure out what we're doing with well, it. Well, it's not like they're incapable guys. No, like, for they sure. They run their routes yeah. well. They catch the football. They just, I mean, they're just not world beaters. They're good tight ends. Yeah, I, t- and- I tell you what, though, I would like to see – Joey Gate would get more involved in in like the passing game. Yeah, man. like if when it comes to like the passing aspect of a Brom offense, I mean, we all see how much like a quality like tight end or like a reliable or consistent pass catching tight end can like elevate that aspect of the game. I mean, just look what Payne Durham did at, at Purdue, and like Joey Gatewood has been like the only semi consistent aspects passing wise from the tight end room like not trying to poo poo all over the other guys but i mean like they're they're satterfield guys they're they're more acclimated to blocking and there's nothing wrong with that but like if if we're gonna have if louisville's gonna have packages where like they're exclusively throwing the ball i think gaywood needs to get more run yeah i mean i'm waiting 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 for the tight end in motion joey gatewood bomb downfield oh it's yeah it's coming give it to me jeff Actually, no, at some point. Nope, nope, nope. Save it. Save it for the week. 
You know what we said before. Yeah, that's I right. A Joey, I need a Joey Wee. Daywood touchdown pass. That, that's right. Well, and I mean, 23, almost 24 yards a catch for him on the season. He's only got three for 70, but they've all been big plays down the field. They tried the running play with him this week. They didn't go anywhere. Um, but that is definitely something that I would like to see Louisville get more involved with. And, and really the other kind of uh, criticism, critique, I don't really know the right way to phrase this because it's not necessarily hurt them, but Louisville is going to in the next – four weeks be tested and have the run game limited or shut down. We're going to see that again at some point. I don't know against who, I don't know when that happens. And when that does, we're going to have to see Jack Plummer be able to distribute the ball to multiple guys. He's going to, because defenses are going to be good enough with enough dudes at some point in the season to shut down or limit your best players. So we need to see guys like Isaac, uh, Gary Endo, Chris Bell, Amari Huggins, Bruce. I, I I will continue to ride this train until it, it it parks in the station. We've got to have all the horses run in the race. Like all of these guys have got to be able to come out and have big games. And we saw, you know, the 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 ball was spread around quite a bit this week. I mean, I think there was what nine guys that caught a pass. Uh, including, you know, your biggest plays of the game through the passing game came from Jaden Thompson, who had the 37-yard touchdown, and then Chris Bell, who had a couple of really nice plays down the field. And a, and a hit stick. On oh, man. And, oh, and my God. That was celebration. beautiful. I turned I mean, to Max Martin. I said, I said that, was, that was Chris Bell. That was zero, the wide receiver. That just went – in our time, you would have had – I think there's two or three wide receivers that would have went down and made that hit, Devontae Pete. Uh, Geo, I don't know if you guys. Remember. Oh yeah, yeah, he played in the NFL for a couple of years. Oh, yeah. yeah, Geo would probably fly down and make the. Yeah. But I mean, bro, that was balls to the wall. Just yeah, awesome. yeah, man. The special teams. I mean, it it, it was really like it, just them flying. Like they're taking so much pride in every element of the game right now and how they play, how they finish. And when you're a team that's coming out of the ACC, which has has been down the last couple of years. Um, and you already kind of have this bias of like, who is Louisville? What have they done for me lately? Like they're not, they're not a national player or anything. you got to win games convincingly to get attention and to get some of that momentum. And now we've seen over the last two weeks, I mean, I don't, I don't have the, the exact uh, score of the Duke game, but I mean, they 34 points to just three, they shut out Duke, uh, and score a decent 23 amount of points. Yeah. So over the last couple of weeks, they've really been putting up just gaudy numbers and doing so defensively. Um, and then from an offensive standpoint, they're just leaning into the run game. But we're going to have to see them become – Jack is going to have to show that in key moments, in a third down and long, in a you know uh, down by three, down by seven, less than five minutes to go, Jack is still going to have to show us he can make plays for this team to win the big games, right? I mean, there's still right. some really quality games left in Miami, Kentucky, and then potentially an ACC championship and beyond. So for this team, uh, we're getting closer. We talked about this team can win in multiple ways. Presley and I really had this conversation in the show we did after Duke about how Louisville is a unique team because they're not doing something gimmicky. Like this is a team that can win with a defensive game. They can lean into the, the running the football. They can absolutely blow up the passing game if Jamari and Kevin Coleman have games like they did to start the season. They're a dangerous team, but they just got to keep on working, keep on rounding into form. Uh, and ultimately. One of the things that's going to define that is injuries. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this here on the other side uh, of the break when we come back to preview this game on Thursday night against Virginia. Uh, but Louisville's injuries are starting to mount up. Guys are playing, but they are mounting up. Jeff Brom had some 
not so interesting comments, but you know how I feel about what Jeff Brom says. You got to dig deep into the roots of what he's talking about to understand it. So we'll talk about that. But before we do talk about that, fellas, I'd be remiss if we did not end the preview or excuse me, the recap of the Virginia Tech game with a sack update, Jacob's sack update, because we got movement, right? We got some real movement here. The race is starting to develop. There are um, the, the quantity is certainly not high for a lot of guys, but a lot of fellows are getting involved here. We're really starting to throw the sack party and invite a lot of our friends. And that's really exciting uh, when you're talking about football and playing good defense. So here we are this week for Louisville football. A lot of fun, a lot of sacks to go around. We got guys entering the race. We got guys building on their resume. Uh, so let's start with, let's start with the welcome back club this week, fellas. Ramon Purier, keeping that race alive. He wants it to be a three-headed race, not a two-headed race. He gets his third sack of the season. And then our guy, Mason Ryger, man, absolutely will not be un- will not be stopped. He wants a sack per game. Only one game that he's played in this season without a sack. And if he did play in every game this year, fellas, it would be a very, very interesting race at the top. But Mason doing his job to make it closer. He's got four uh, right, right behind Ashton with eight and a half. And then this week, we got guys entering the race. Again, I want everyone in the party. I want the whole defense to come into the party with a sack here this season. And here we go. Ben Perry gets his first sack of the season. Stephen Heron, it felt like he had seven at this point. I mean, he has been right there so many times. He gets a, a half sack. All right. We'll let him in with a half sack, man. We're not judging around here. Half sack, come race. on in. That's right, man. He's in the race. And then TJ Quinn, our guy, he said, I'll get an interception and I'll get a half sack and a couple of tackles for loss. That's what I'm talking about when you're talking about the the MVP through the defense season so far. Uh, TJ Quinn just adding to that resume there. looking Even to be... compared to his pops. That, that had to have been really cool for him post-game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love these legacy these legacy players. I mean, it's yeah, just Josh it's Minkin, a, Sam, jo- man. yeah, it's just really cool to see. Uh, I love to see that um, closing thoughts before we, we finally close the book. Matt didn't get to close the book. We close the book. Any final <laughs> thoughts on the Virginia tech victory fellas uh, before we get to a break. It's, it's just nice to see them continuing to win with a brand of football that is not gimmicky. That is a brand of football that can, you know, carry from game to game and can honestly take down a lot of opponents that they can face. I hope we're all in the same mindset of, you know, and this is, this was preached to me every year I ever played football was just staying right in the middle. Can't get too high. Can't get too low. You know, 24 hour mindset is a great win. And, you know, just stay in the middle. I feel like as soon as I get too excited, we'll have a hiccup like Pitt, you know, get disappointed and heartbroken and hurt. Yeah. 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 I mean, that feels right. Staying right here, man. That feels like the natural kind of thing to do. I don't, I don't think anybody could blame you there, but last thing I got to say, man, we got to talk about this North Carolina bias. I'm really the Carolina bias. I'm having a, I mean, I'm just, I'm just pissed off at this man, because I'm tired of guys just getting robbed in, in broad daylight um, for awards and acknowledgement that they deserve to have. I, I get that Clemson upset Notre Dame. But what I see when I look at what the ACC did from a players of the week standpoint in week 10, we were just ready to get the, 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 the Dabo glizzy and go crazy, man. Like that's what they wanted. Nothing more, nothing less. Four Clemson players named players of the week, including Phil Maffa. 
All right, Emac, we get it. You put a word in, bud. Dabo, Dabo pressed the buttons, called the right people, and said, you better put us in those. Put them in. Put them in. in. <laughs> Listen, I voted for Isaac. Good for you. I see. I'm here for it. I trust you, man. I'm I'm all in on it. It's it it's ridiculous. It's what ridiculous. would Dabo say? Dabo would say something along the lines of, "It's not uh, about we're, we're on the no no." He would say, "We're on we're on the Lord's first team all ACC." <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right, man. But just first team all God. First team all God. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's oh, straight robbery out here, man. Uh, all right. We'll, we'll take a quick break on the other side. We'll come back and we will talk about Virginia. We continue on in the state of Virginia looking for complete land dominance. We will own that state. Uh, but with that being the case this week, no better time than now to get in on the action with sports betting. Now that it's officially live in Kentucky, sports betting sites are offering new betters, tons of awesome bonuses to get started. We've made it super easy. Put all of our favorite promos into one list for you. Check out all our best sports book promos at bit.ly slash state of Louisville. So you can maximize your first bets. Each time you sign up for one of the promotions, you're directly, directly supporting our show, which allows us to do bigger and better things. So keep doing that. If you're looking to sign up for any new, uh, sports books in the state of Kentucky, head over to bit.ly slash state of Louisville for our top offers. That's bit, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash state of Louisville. Offers are only available for new customers who are 18 plus, 21 plus select sports books and must be physically present in Kentucky. Please gamble responsibly. If you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. As always, I am currently sipping on some Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon. Mr. and Mrs., as you might know, is the official brand of Louisville legend Russ Smith. But what you might not know is that Mr. and Mrs. is becoming a national and global brand, shaking things up in the bourbon industry. Like basketball, bourbon has long been a passion for Russ, dating back to his college days. He studied and learned under some of the more renowned master distillers in the area. Mr. and Mrs. is more than a passion project. It's the culmination of a decade of painstaking work. Mr. and Mrs. is for everyone, from a more traditional 90 proof to a cash strength that's smooth. Be among the first to try Mr. and Mrs., the official bourbon of the state of Louisville, and from the Pink Seats podcast. On shelves anywhere you find your liquors or online at mrandmrsbourbon.com. Well, fresh off the presses, Matt, you mentioned it. Louisville football is number 11 in the college football playoff, moving up two spots. And when you look at the ratings, let me pull this up real quick because I was looking at this earlier, but they're really kind of like in this second, like the head of the second tier, right? Like I know... But when you're looking at it, the top kind of 10 teams in college football are pretty much what you would expect. And they're the the big players that are there just about every year. And those are probably the 10 that most people kind of assume are most likely to end up in that final four. But then you look at like 11 through 20 and Louisville is really like the, the voters are saying here what there is that Louisville is the best of that second group, in my opinion, that Louisville would beat Oregon State. Tennessee, Missouri, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Oklahoma, Utah, LSU, Notre Dame on neutral fields. Like, that's just how that would go. Um, I'm just curious on your all's take. Like, where do you kind of see – Presley and I talked about this a couple weeks ago. Where do you all see Louisville in the landscape nationally? Like, do you think Louisville is one of the best teams in the country? I mean, obviously, I know they're 11th for a reason. But – or do you kind of feel like they're the pretender in a group of a bunch of contenders, you know, in terms of their full body of work? I, I think they certainly have a chance to emerge as a 
potential contender because I'm looking at the college football playoff top 10 right now. And there's a couple teams ahead of them who, quite frankly, have not played anyone. I mean, the first one that comes to mind, Michigan. I'm mm-hmm. not saying Michigan's bad. Michigan is very good. They are full of talent. They've not played a single damn team. Um, Oregon, 8-1. and one. They also have not played anyone worth a damn. And the one team that did play worth a damn, they got beat. So we'll see how that shakes out. Penn State. The one, the first time they played a real team, they couldn't do anything mm-hmm. at all, and they play Michigan this weekend. So we'll see who's the bigger fraud. Now I say that all in tongue and cheek. Both are very good teams. Just Penn State, Michigan fans don't come after me. How, but anyway, how much fun is this though that we get to have this conversation? Michigan again. fans like, have other things that they have. Yeah, right. That is very true. Is the least of their worries. Yeah, that that is true. But yeah, but in in that kind of group of one loss team, the the two teams who I think three probably who I think do belong in that like tier with Louisville are Texas, Alabama and Ole Miss. Cause I I've watched a fair amount of Texas and Alabama cause they typically play in some of the bigger games week in and wake out because, you know, TV loves the blue bloods. That is, that is what it is. But I think Texas is really good. They certainly looked uh, pretty good this past week. And even without Quinn Ewers, Alabama is really starting to hit their stride after like suffering that loss to Texas earlier. Uh, Ole Miss, I mean, Lane Kiffin's got them rolling up. They've got a big game this weekend. They play Georgia, right? Uh, Yeah, I think that's right. It's like a thing you find out on Friday when you go to put your bets in. Like, I'm I'm almost certain they play Georgia. They've got a big game this weekend, but they're they're really good. I do think those three, and plus Louisville, and Louisville's proven that that they can compete with some of the better teams in college football because they've already done it i mean they beat notre dame who yeah they're at the bottom of the top 25 now but they're still a good team they beat a then ranked duke who is kind of getting hit with injuries at the worst time and like and they've beaten a handful of other teams who are like you know fpi top 50 you know things metrics of that nature they're one of like maybe i think i saw the stat earlier they're one of six or seven teams who have beaten like four fpi top 50 teams or something like that like they, they certainly belong in the conversation of like teams who legitimately have a chance to crack the final four. Will it event, will it actually happen? I doubt it because Florida State is really good. Yeah. And they'll have to get through Florida State to even have a chance to get in the top four. But to say that they even have a chance to get there and it's the first week into November is insane. Pac Pac 12 football is not real. So Oregon. Washington, you're out. Get out of here. <laughs> Not worried about you. Florida State, nah, Mike Norvell, I don't nah, – whatever. I think we can beat you. Uh, Texas, Texas worries me. Alabama worries me. Ole Miss is undisciplined, and I think we can beat Penn State. That's my opinion. All right, what, man. What about I, Georgia? <laughs> need a weekly – yeah, yeah, well, I didn't notice I'd left Ohio State. Georgia and Ohio State out of there, yeah. <laughs> Very Pac-12 convenient. Those stands football. are pretty good. <laughs> yeah, very convenient. But no, I mean, it really would be interesting. I, I saw all the tweet um, from, I believe, uh, uh, from Ross Dellinger that would be, you know, the hypothetical of what a 12 team playoff would look like. And Louisville would open up as an at 11 Oregon. At Oregon. So, I mean, that's a game where if you're 
can't can Louisville what can Louisville's defense do against an offense that could put up theoretically you know 50 60 points in a given week that's that's the real test like I just it'll be really interesting to see against the Miamis the Kentuckys and then you know hopefully fingers crossed the the potential game against a Florida State whoever else North Carolina whatever it looks like um in an ACC championship I, I just I don't know man it's all that's really interesting I'm, I'm fascinated I'm much more uh tapped into college football from top to bottom than I ever have been because this is fun. Like we're not, it doesn't feel like, you know, it doesn't feel like the Alabamas and the Michigans and the Ohio States are on another planet playing a different game that we have not figured out quite yet. Right. Like they're, you know, it just always has felt over the last few years that in terms of like the national relevance, it's kind of like how we feel with basketball right now. Like Louisville's just nowhere to be included. And so for this, it feels fun to have these conversations and say, could Louisville beat Oregon? And what yeah. would that look like? Yeah. I mean, obviously there, there's clear favorites to like actually get into the final four, but like a lot of the top five teams, like top 10 teams, honestly have had periods where they've looked vulnerable. I mean, Ohio state, they really struggled to open up the year. I mean, Georgia had kind of looked vulnerable earlier in the season and they kind of needed Missouri to piss down their leg to come out with a win. Uh, Michigan played nobody. Florida State's had a couple close scares. Washington before last week against USC was kind of cutting it close. Um, Oregon played nobody. Texas. Texas is good. Alabama. Yeah. Also good. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you there, Vince. Yeah. Texas yeah. and Alabama scared me. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, Texas played Kansas State, you know, close for, you know, a good chunk of that game. Did they not this past week? So, I mean, it's not Kansas as if State's they're good too. Yeah, No, I mean, I, I totally understand that. But in terms of the rankings, Louisville theoretically is better than them. And they gave Texas all they wanted. So I, I just, I don't know. I'm, I, I think that I think I'd rather face Michigan than Texas. Yeah. Well, let's hey, let's we'll, one one week season, right? That's let's get our minds around that here. I know it's a lot of fun hey, to man. talk about, but let's let's get back. Coach, Betty, the, Coach Betty used to say all these people deciding numbers are just a bunch of fat guys eating donuts, <laughs> sitting behind a computer, and having to play a down of football in their life. Oh, in this instance, a lot of these guys did play a down of football, so it doesn't really, you know, imply there, but you get the message. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so Virginia this week, short week. If you rewind back to the the beginning of the season, uh, both Vince and I brought up the uh, game against Virginia, I believe, or maybe it was Matt. I don't know. One of you two and me. Somebody, sure. somebody so was right. Yeah, uh, that that this was a game to watch because it was going to be Louisville coming in on a short week. Um, after a game against Virginia Tech, I know I said it for sure. I I believe I that I said that, that, and I still. And bringing this up as a reason to be just a little bit uh, not worried, but just remember weird things can happen on a Thursday night. Louisville is coming in with injuries. Virginia is too. Uh, And so that's kind of the interesting caveat here in this game. Both teams banged up. If you're not banged up at this point, you're not playing football. Uh, But injuries are something to watch on a game where you had so many guys who were either out or game time decisions uh, leading into Virginia Tech. Um, And this week, Jeff Brom was asked about it. And in true Jeff Brom form, he said nothing, like just nothing. Some hot garbage when it came to quotes. But if you read in between it, like I always tell you all, there's nuggets in there, okay? Jeff Mm -hmm. Brom, uh, he always says nothing, but he says a lot. So this week, he says, going to try and continue to get them healthy. That's it's yep let's do it i don't think anything otherwise he said well when that will happen with a few i'm not sure some are day-to-day some are longer i think we got out of this game for the most part as healthy as we could for the circumstance a lot of new 
Yep, they they certainly did, right? Jaws didn't have to play for a chunk of this game because Guriendo was carrying the squad. You know, Brian Hudson, Willie Tyler. Um, I, I don't, I didn't notice either of them really coming out of the game. But I mean, Louisville has shown that Michael Gonzalez can slide over and play that left tackle spot. So they've developed they developed depth, and, and it's allowed them to to you know not have to worry about some of that. Um, and he alluded to that. He said a lot of new people stepped in who played well, and they're continuing to be healthy. Right. So guys stepped in, they're healthy. They didn't get injured. He said, every day is valuable. The guys who didn't play want to get out on the field. Some are suffering some pretty good nicks and bruises, maybe more than that. So I I'm, I'm reading that there are some guys who are pretty banged up. Like we might have, you know, a pretty serious injury, whether it be to um, Jamari or Jarvis. Like we really don't know. This team really plays their, their cards close to the vest, but we do know that some guys are banged up likely will not see, um, some guys Thursday night, that injury list very much could grow. Hopefully it's not like the Virginia game in 2020, where if you remember like an hour before the game, Cam Teague is like, and half the roster is not playing in this game. And we're just oh, like, yeah. that was what? fun to be a part of. Yeah, right. It was like yeah, waking, guys up, waking up on Saturday and, you know, walking to the stadium and you get picked up by the trainer and he throws you in the bus. He's like, yeah, it's like half the team's out. Yeah. I'm like, what the? I haven't talked to anybody yet. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's uh, we were just a couple of guys away from you playing, man. I mean, that's that's how low things got there <laughs> with some of those injuries. But now we just hope that uh this week we don't see that list grow. And just again to refresh your memory, Jarvis Brownlee, Jamari Thrash obviously did not play last week. Again, we don't know as to what those injuries are. We know that Jarvis Brownlee went out against Duke, uh, I believe, came back in against Duke for a little bit there at the end, but ultimately was pretty banged up. Um, and then Jaws, Brian Hudson, Willie Tyler were guys that were questionable but ultimately played in that game on Saturday. So injuries stacking up um, for Louisville. But on the other side, as we jump into this game with Virginia, Glow Night, very interesting promotion. I, I'm here for these kind of unique um, right. events that are not a blackout or a whiteout or a redout. Yeah, so what, you got a good Glow story? No, you, you big rave fans. No, okay. Big... For one, the glow in the dark skeleton cleats. I don't know if you guys remember those. Whenever we did those, like 2016 or 17, those were some of the best. I, I remember out those. There. It was around Halloween. It was we had like a Halloweenish game, and we wore those. Those were cool. I hate glow in the dark uniforms. It makes no sense. None. Why? We play under lights. That's true. It makes no sense. What are we? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm I'm hoping I mean, it's great that... to sell. I get why we're doing it for like jersey sales and sell stuff and marketing. It looks Taurus and then put together one of the sickest videos. Yeah, throwing John L in there. I'm sure they're gonna do something pre-game to like really show them off. Yeah, I'm and sure. the fans I, are. I like... hope we don't cut the lights. I hate that. Oh, dog. Oh, oh my god. You know stand. damn well that's. Oh coming. my gosh. Oh my gosh. All right, let's. Yeah, this is a total Vince take right here. I am here for it. I was just getting ready to say a couple of years ago, there was a picture that surfaced of the stadium completely red, like with red lights that like turned it into like an oven type look and feel. I need that to happen on Thursday night. Lou City, one of the coolest things they do is turn that stadium purple with the lights. And they have these insane light shows like I need 
all of it. I need it all. The glow in the dark jerseys, I'm with you. I didn't think about that. There's going to be a lot of light. We're not really going to be glowing. But shout out to the fans, right? They are running with this. This is what makes Louisville so much fun and why Louisville football is like all the, the like why you have to get season tickets. Like you have to get season tickets and be a part of this each week. Fans on Twitter just like, hey, I'll buy a thousand glow sticks. Oh, you're buying a thousand? I'll buy two thousand. We'll get section 216, section, section 211, section 115. We're good. Let's go glow sticks. That reminds me of um, in 2014 when I was still a student at Louisville um, and they were hosting Florida State. And this was after the Jameis Wimpson crab thing with oh, yeah. at Publix came out. Yeah. Yeah. So what I did <laughs> is that I went down to Joe's Crab Shack. And I bought like an entire box of crab bibs and I put, <laughs> got them for the student section. You, that's man. gold. That's, that's gold. Right that's there. before the professional and you came out, man. That's, that's a great story. See, we need some of that in the stadium again, Matt. Like we need you to come back for one game, like no media, just shirtless Matt painted up like Gary, the red bird. I am like, not going shirtless. Bigger again, brother, right? Like <laughs> we need, we need you to be Matt, the red bird with Gary, the red bird again. We need that, that kind of vibe. <laughs> Uh, but no, that's a great story. And Vince also, I I'm, I I'm with you, man. The glow is kind of an interesting take, but I'm here for just something different. We've been doing yeah, these red out, blue outs, yeah. green outs, yellow outs. Like See, let's I would prefer a, like a red out. You mentioned the red glow in the stadium. Like, I think that would look sick yeah. instead of like blacking out the stadium. Yeah. Everybody wave your glow sticks around. If but they I mean, do hey, it right, it could look cool. Video, it could look it, cool. What do yeah, I it's, know? it's memorable. That's for sure. No, but Vince is the guy, like, again, I, I told this story, I think, to, to my wife this week. Like, I saw Vince at the game on Saturday. Vince is just business. He doesn't want to talk. He doesn't want to chit-chat with you. He's not there to socialize. He is there to watch football. Like, I'm like – What else I, are you there I, for? I, I, what are look, you there for? It's, it's not a party on the party deck. It is no, a football It's game. a party it in the stadium, in your seat. Game. He's, He's there to eat five star go. fried there bologna sandwich and watch football. Like, yeah, Matt. Sorry, we all sit up in the heated press <laughs> box and with our covers and our snuggies. Matt's, yeah, the damn game. Endless <laughs> amounts of cookies and chips for Matt up in the press box. Meanwhile, the best Vince thing about this here. year has been. Uh, I know we're getting a little off topic here, but the best thing about this season, and uh, it kind of tied in with the earlier topic we decided not to discuss, but is. It's Jeff and how his staff is taking care of the alumni this year uh, with football. And it's and pretty much I, the entirety of my season has been taken care of through the university with one available extra ticket. And, you know, for me, that's like the coolest thing to, you know, younger alumni who are around my age and stuff that that's the best way to start enticing them to start coming back, keep coming to games keep coming to games and eventually dudes will start pulling the trigger on season tickets, you know, and I, I you know, for me, I just had to touch on that. That was like one of the coolest things this year. Cause you know, we didn't really get much of anything in the past however many years. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, you're definitely right, but it's just, it's, it, it is a cool environment. I'm really hoping that the fans show out, um, you know, and they have, I mean, it's just been such a, it's been so much fun this year. Like it's, it's like, Last year we went to these games and I had the same amount of fun because football is just fun all the time. But now I'm doing it with 50 other 50,000 of my friends instead of just like 3000 of my friends. So it's a big difference and it's been great. It's been absolutely great. Uh, was in a new section this past week, use my uh, claim seats to get in. And I met a friend. Look at this, a listener of the show, former Louisville football player, 
just a casual chit chat, right? Guys just being dudes, high five and introduce myself to Seth Pugh, former little football defensive back. Uh, and just within seconds was like, Oh, who are you? What are you doing? Oh, okay. You know, Vince. Yeah, I know Vince. Just a, just a great moment. It makes the family feel a lot smaller in that stadium. So shout out to Kentucky South. Spiders, baby. Yeah. Shout out, shout out to <laughs> Seth, man. I, I really enjoyed uh, getting to chat with him. Um, and that's the benefit of moving around the stadium from time to time and getting in different seats. So, all right, Thursday night, Virginia comes in. And when you look at this Virginia team, they are um, a team that's had some pretty bad losses on the year. I mean, um, when you look at them from the top uh, top down from a, just a program standpoint, I know they had that, you know, absolutely tra- that absolute tragedy last season that I imagine would be extremely hard as a head coach and for a team to come back right. from. Um, but Tony Elliott really has struggled as the head coach at Virginia. They are uh, towards the bottom, I think second to, to last in the ACC or maybe right in that range. And there's a good chance that this probably is the end of the the road for him after a pretty short tenure. I think he's been there two or three years, but yeah, this is only his second season. It's just not working out. They have not been a football team that uh, has shown much of any promise, any growth under his leadership. And when you looked at what that team was under Bronco Mendenhall, they certainly had some years where they weren't great, but what they always did was, really sound foundational football. They won big games and, and they always historically played it close with Louisville. Um, and so that's kind of the element of this game. That's really interesting. They come in, um, they've, they've had some big wins, right? They pull off the CW upset of North Carolina uh, <laughs> and really kind of hit home the fate, the CW movement. They've, they played Miami close into overtime. They've played close games with Boston college. They played a close game with James Madison at the start of the season, NC state. So they have proven that they can play close games, uh, but then they've gotten their ass kicked by Georgia Tech. They've gotten their ass kicked by Tennessee. They've gotten their ass kicked by Maryland, teams that you know are good but not necessarily world beaters in college football. So they come in, and I mentioned a few minutes ago, and Matt, maybe you want to talk a little bit about this. They've got some injuries um, that will impact them uh, both on the offensive and, and defensive side of the ball. Um, they've started two quarterbacks this season. What's kind of the difference in what they might see between their their pretty their um, their typical starter who's played most of the year, um, and then the backup who's kind of come in and played in some games has started a couple of games on his own. What's kind of this Virginia team look like with those two guys? So with uh, their typical starter Tony Musket, he's the guy who's seen a lot more football. He's a senior. Um, he's, he's not as flashy, but he's a little, a little more efficient with the football. He's, he doesn't have like a dual, the, the dual threat ability that uh, Anthony Calandria does. And Anthony Calandria is like someone who like can go out there and make like exciting electric plays. Now, Calandria is a true freshman and he's had plenty of true freshman mistakes this season. He's had plenty of, you know, highlight producing moments and he's had Plenty of low light producing moments. I mean, there's no other way to put it. So I think Virginia's ceiling um, is lifted when Calandria is in the game, but their floor is a lot lower. And I think when Muskets in the game, their floor is a lot higher, but their ceiling might not be as high, if that makes sense. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it regardless, this Virginia offense doesn't have like a ton of weapons outside of one guy. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the numbers, I mean, the one guy, very impactful. I mean, to have a 1,000 yards, no matter who you play for, especially when you're splitting, you know, with the two quarterbacks coming in and out, 
one of which is a true freshman who just, I mean, he he's like, he just gets in and he's like, nah, man, I'm just going to do whatever I want. Like I'm running around backwards, <laughs> doing twisties, throwing the ball in the end zone, taking my helmet off, getting penalties that cost us the game. Like he is really like Johnny football light. Uh, like, I mean, light, light, L-I-T-E, mm-hmm. very light. Yeah, 5'11", um, 180. Yeah, like like he's my size, man. I mean, we're just about the same size. I've got a little bit of of weight on him. Definitely nowhere near the athlete, but like, (laughs) uh, I mean, he's my size out there. And kudos to him, man. He's a warrior. When when you watch him play, he is fun, and he's a guy who can absolutely pull a big play on you. But, um, you know, you mentioned Malik Washington, seventy nine receptions on the year. That number feels like that can't be right. Like I I'm looking at stats earlier today, and I'm just like, no what was this last year's stats? Like there's no way. Um, but sure enough, 79 receptions, 1,044 yards, six touchdowns on the year, done a little bit of everything. They will force feed him the ball. Um, and what's really going to be fun to watch this weekend or this week is Quincy Riley versus Malik Washington. Like I I'm keeping Quincy, I'm letting Quincy be Jair here and follow him all over the field uh, and see what they have to do with that. I know a lot of people talked about this this weekend, so this is not a groundbreaking thought, but like Riley Island is a real thing in Louisville right now. Like no one is throwing the ball to Quincy Riley because Quincy Riley is not having any of it. And it is great to see one side of the field shut down. And then with an injury, like we've seen to Jarvis Brownlee, Storm Duck coming in, leads the team in tackles this past week. Like they they are plugging and playing guys. And it's because they have such, they got dudes uh, all over the place, but shout out to Quincy Riley. That'll be really interesting to watch. Um, And then running the football. I mean, Matt, it's just not impressive. Like there's just nothing there really that kind of scares you when Louisville's giving up like 80 yards a game on the ground the uh, the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, Mike Hollins is a really good like goal line type back. Like when when Virginia does get in like goal to go situations or like short yard situation, he has been like a solid option there. But I mean, like that's really it in, in terms of like Virginia's rushing game. Yeah, I mean, the, none of their guys are averaging more than I mean, five point three yards isn't anything to 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 you know. It's definitely not bad, but no nobody really setting anything, any kind of records or setting putting any big numbers out there. They only have um, just a couple of touchdowns between the two guys that aren't Mike Collins, and Mike Collins is one of those guys coming off of an injury that was banged up against uh, Georgia Tech last week in that blowout. Another guy on the defensive side of the ball um, is James Jackson, the linebacker who stepped up. He's had a big year. He's second in the team in tackles. He's got a sack, um, and he has been dealing with injury as well, may not go. Uh, this is a pass rush that averages .89 sacks a game. They're not, I mean, that's that's there's no sack party over there. That's certainly Jack, what's Jack going on Plummer, over here. Jack Plummer has got to be feeling very, very good. This could be like a 350 game for him where he's taking the O-line out for steak dinners on Monday night. Yeah, and it could be like or a Saturday, Friday night, whenever. Could be like a 350 on like 14 pass attempts. Like, I mean, like <laughs> not not to say like anything, like I could see them having big plays. Like, you know, guys just uh, uh, getting, you know, breaking open, you know, 70, 80-yard big screen passes or something like that. I mean, I listened in depth to the press conference, and I, I see a Virginia team on on – tape last week like watching that georgia tech game and then listening to tony elliott this is a team that is not they are not in the spot right now to go out and play strong defense they are starting to go backwards in tackles they missed a ton of tackles last week in that game one-on-one tackling group tackling this is not a team right now that looks like they are laying it all out there on the line that he was asked okay you're out of bowl contention what are you playing for we're playing for pride all right, man, we're coming in there and we are kicking your teeth in and we're going to make you feel it on the football field 100%. And that's what I expect Louisville to do this week. They 
whether Jaws is out there, whether Isaac Garindo is out there, whether it is uh, Mo Turner, whether it is Kiwan Brown, Jack Plummer, they've got the the they've got the ability to run the football. And then you know you mentioned events. If this is a team that doesn't make disruptive plays, you feel pretty good that Jack Plummer can stand back there and, and make plays. What are you most wanting to see in a game like this, Matt and Vince? Like, is it you want to see Jack have a big game? You want to see the run game continue on? What are you kind of looking for here with this game particularly? I love that I, you shook your head right there. Yeah, Matt's very, very much yeah, giving like, no. just us because no one can see him. Yeah, I know, very, I know. very, very obvious. No, I, I want them to follow the same MO they've followed the last couple weeks. And that not just because like they've had a lot of success, you know, leaning on their run game and defense. But, I mean, this is something that Virginia has struggled with literally the entire season, whether they've been winning or losing. And I've got match stats that get into it later. But, I mean, just look at the last game against Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech had 300-plus rushing yards and five rushing touchdowns. This is a game where I want to see Jeff Brom run it as much as he can within the confines of the offense. Have Plummer maybe come close to 20 passing attempts, and that's it. Because not because Virginia's got this otherworldly secondary, because I mean they've got some decent guys in the back end, but I mean collectively it's it's not a good, not a great secondary. But in the front seven, Virginia's atrocious, just flat out atrocious when it comes to containing the run. So I want to see them go out with another run heavy and run focused approach and not not because it's what it has been working the last couple of weeks which it has but that's just what Virginia struggled with and Louisville's kind of used to this way of operating so I'd be kind of shocked to see them kind of deviate from that plan a little bit I'm gonna flip sides of the ball on you and I, I want to see defensively I definitely want to see them get more like continuous pressure on whichever the two quarterbacks that they see and in doing that you know, whenever you see uh, – say that last name one more time for me, Matt. You were phenomenal at it. Say what now? The last Calandria? name. Calandria? Yes. Calandria, yeah. So, with him, I don't want to see our, you know, our ends. Jacob mentioned it earlier, too, them coming too far upfield and, you know, not being able to keep them contained. You know, that's something you definitely want to keep an eye out for. And, you know, everything is one up front with the front seven and – uh, you know, I just want to see a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Yeah. And here's some, here's a really fun stat for you uh, for the last uh, or for this season for Virginia and three games where they have been blown out um, against Tennessee, Maryland, and Georgia tech. They have given up 14 rushing touchdowns in those games. They have also in those games been outscored 136 to 44 Louisville. They should, should come in and win this game by three touchdowns or more. This should not on paper be a competition. Virginia is really bad at some things that Louisville is really good at. And while Virginia does have a decent, you know, kind of offense that can make plays, obviously, I mean, when you have a thousand yard receiver, that's, that's no scrub. And Matt's got some great stats here right after I, I wrap up talking on, on this point, but um, they have that they have weapons. They, they absolutely can do some, some damage and hurt you. If you come in lackadaisical, not focused, looking ahead to Miami, looking ahead to the college football playoff, the ACC, you know, uh, letting everything get to your head over the last couple of weeks, all the fans screaming, how great you are, all that can bite you in the ass if you don't come ready to play. But the, the, the verdict is out on this one. And Virginia is poo poo garbage. They should beat the absolute crap out of them on Thursday night in LNM Cardinal stadium. With that being said, what everybody is waited for, Matt Stats. 
we got and, and real quick before um getting into my mad stats going to that back to that uh, virginia maryland game i remember watching that from the uh, hotel room in indianapolis because that's uh, louisville was playing in, in indianapolis against indiana that weekend uh virginia goes up 14-0 they score on their first two drives and like okay maybe virginia like is able to rebound from getting just absolutely blasted by Tennessee the week before. And then they proceed to give up 42 unanswered. There was one point in this, I think it was in the second half where Anthony Calandria threw a pick on not one, not two, but three consecutive pass attempts. I need it. I need another quarterback that I'd want to come back to Louisville. I like, I want that list to just keep growing, keep growing. Right. Riley Leonard, Sam Hartman. That's gotta be a record of some Calandria. It's, it's, it's got it. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be it's, it's, like close it's, to it. Yeah. Right. All right, Matt. Matt stats. Drop what you're doing and listen up. It's Matt stats with Matt McGavick. We've talked a lot about how bad Virginia's front seven is when it as as it pertains to containing the run. I mean, when you look at just basic stats. They're allowing 180.3 rushing yards per game, which is 112th nationally and 13th in the ACC. But to really and truly put into perspective as to how bad they are at containing the run, going to my uh, old pal pro football focus, which I love, their run defense grade of 51.6 is the worst in the FBS. Not the worst in the Power Five, not the worst in the ACC, the worst in all of Division One single A college football. They are one thirty three out of one thirty three. The next worst team when it comes to defending the run is San Diego State at fifty five point seven. The next worst Power Five team is Cal with sixty point six. That's sixth worst overall. So Virginia is by far and away from an analytical standpoint the worst team in college football when it comes to stopping the run. So that's partially why I said earlier, I want to see Jeff Brom and company just run through a motherfucker's face over and over and over and oh, over. Yeah. As Marshawn Lynch would Matt. say. Yes. I love this, Matt cussing. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> and going back to your point, Vince, and how you want the defensive line in the front Vince, seven. I love whenever you go back to Vince's points. <laughs> that too. And how you want the defense to get after the, it after uh, the quarterback and set the tone that way, I think they're going to be able to without even hardly trying because of Virginia's seven offensive linemen with at least a hundred blocking stats snaps, excuse me. The only one with a offensive grade above 70, which 70 by PFF is above average is center. Brian Stevens. That is it. Four offensive linemen have grades under 56 and 60 Ooh. is average. Two of them have grades that are just above 40, which is terrible. This group of seven O-line, which is like their main offensive line rotation, have combined to allow 17 sacks, eight quarterback hits, and 54 hurries. And going back real quick, that sack number 17, eight of them have been one from one guy alone. Got you. Need to talk to his backup. Yeah, his backup <laughs> might be the worst player. On the his team. backup wasn't that much better. It, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. Okay, so that's two mad stats that highlight how bad Virginia is. So that, I mean, they're they're bad. That is what it is. And for and it, yeah, for good juju, we need you to give us a stat that gives us a reason to watch the game. So we've talked a lot about 
win this Virginia discussion about how good Malik Washington is. He's very good. Thousand yard receiver, six touchdown passes, top top three receiver in the ACC. Well, not only is he like from an analytical standpoint one of the top receivers in the ACC, he's one of the top receivers in all of college football. His offensive grade of a flat ninety is the third highest among all. FBS receivers. The only two guys who have higher grades than them in all of college football are LSU's Malik Neighbors at 92.4 and Ole Miss's Trey Harris at 91.6. The only way I can see Louisville even remotely struggling with this game is if Malik Washington has a T.Y. Hilton performance. And that's that's the only that's the only avenue that I can see Virginia even coming close to like pulling off the upset is if that happens because Washington has the talent. He has the capability. I mean, on an offense like Virginia, he's, he's getting double teams, sometimes triple teams, and he's still got a thousand yards on the season. Like he had, yeah. he, he can break a game if Louisville allows him to. The production is insane. I mean, you can't argue the, the proof is in the pudding as they say right there with the numbers are there. They are what they are, but it's like, you can't come in and think just because it's Virginia and they've stunk all year that you can just, you know, no, take, take a mental. Yeah. Right. And they've learned their lesson. And I've really, really enjoyed listening to this team share their perspective on what they learned from that game mm-hmm. and what they are applying each week moving forward. I mean, you can really see them growing um, in real time. And that's part of the reason why you have so much faith is because they've gotten better each of the last couple of weeks. Um, and you know, against Virginia, like I said, you expect a W, uh, you handle your business and you're still right in the driver's seat to go to Charlotte uh, with one more ACC game left. And um, that's where things really, really get interesting. I mean, this weekend you've got a, a really important matchup happening in Tallahassee that I would encourage everyone to tune into right after, you know, you watch the noon games. Um, and that's Florida State and Miami. This is one of the ones I talked about last week that Miami has a chance to really make this funny. Uh, and help Louisville out by essentially, you know, sort of, I want to say eliminating Florida State because they are still undefeated, but certainly giving Louisville a much better chance uh, to end up in the college football playoff. They'd still need a little bit of help, but uh, definitely going to be interesting to watch. Um, and so let's move into predictions because Vince has just been waiting. Let's, let's I mean, move he's into just predictions. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's move, move into predictions. predictions. So talk about who's leading, Jacob. That's right. Thank you, Vince, for teeing me up here. I had a great co-host. Um, and Vince, congratulations. One of your points last week, unfortunately, did not count. We went back to the drawing board and we reviewed with the uh, with the folks who determined points, and you did not get a point. What? I'm just kidding. No, you're in first yeah. place. Yeah. Congrats to you, Vince. Last week went two for uh, went two and zero. Oh. Um, and I think that is the first week where one of us uh, has uh, gotten more points than everybody else. The, we have had the same amount of points, whether it be one or two per week. So shout out to Vince. No, Lee, no, 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 no. This is what happens when you trust Reggie Bonifon. If you go back and you listen to the show, <laughs> say, Reggie, this is all on you. This is 100% all on you. And uh, if you get it wrong, I'm coming back and I'm finding you. But, you know, he got it right. And this is, yeah. why, this is why I've always listened to Reggie Bonifon. Okay. Well, that's certainly advice to live by. Um, you know, a, a teacher or professor might dock you points for admitting that you cheated on the test. And he was here. He was on the I, show. I, I'm going to ignore. Yeah. But it sounds like you just copied his answer. So 
Um, you know, kudos to you, open man. I will give test. you the, I will give you, yeah, open book tests. I get to bring in one little flashcard of notes uh, for this test as much hey, as I can write down. chapter on that damn flashcard. Uh, but no, Vince has taken the lead as we get into the back half and, and really heating up here. 10 points for Vince, nine for the rest of us. Reggie and Grant, uh, our guest pickers have both gone undefeated when they've picked on the show. So shout out to our, our guest pickers. Um, and this week, Got the, the Virginia game, of course, that we'll predict just like we uh, do with most games or with every game each week. And then this week we will do, hmm, what will we do? Let's do total tackles for loss for Louisville because we talked about uh, Virginia's offensive line being poo-poo. We tried this before with sacks. Uh, so we will see where we get in this week. What happened to um, sacks? Didn't no, nobody got a sack? Yeah, I don't think anybody got a sack, man. Uh, nobody got a sack. <laughs> Vince, what do you got, man? What do you give us your score and uh, what you're going? The leader's not going first. This is like. Uh, oh, okay. We, oh, we, we don't do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, horse uh, knockout. You know. Okay. Yeah. I need yeah, to be yeah, in the yeah. back of the line to see the jump shots. First. <laughs> I need to be in the back of the line to see the jump shots. Okay. All right. I will go first. Um, I feel pretty confident that Louisville is going to win this game convincingly. I'm battling in my head of the approach. Is it? get in, get out, or is it dominate start to finish to make sure we, we send that message to the voters, to the ACC, to everybody. I tend to think that Jeff Brown will be a little bit more conservative with his approach this week. We did see Brock Doman come in. We did see some backups come in. There are still guys who haven't played, you know, the, their four, their four games that are allotted before burning a red shirt. So I'm going to tend to lean on the on the lower side of the score, I was thinking like 52 to 10, 59 to 10. Like, I think this is a game where Louisville could absolutely pile on points really quickly, but I am going to go, uh, I will go 38 to six Louisville. Um, and I will do a total tackles for loss, which does include sacks in that most of them will count a sack for a tackle for loss. So I will say, let's see here. We'll say you to be say four sacks, and then we'll do an additional five and a half tackles for loss. So we will go nine and a half total tackles for loss for me. Thirty-eight to six, nine and a half total tackles for loss. I'm going Louisville forty-two, Virginia seven. I mean, for, for, this shouldn't even be close. I mean, the more research I did on on this team, the more I was convinced that Louisville is going to win this running away. I I think Virginia scores like a garbage touchdown late, but like this should be settled by like midway through the third quarter if the if it takes that long. And I I think Louisville is going to go. Oh, well, I'll price is right your ass. I'll say nine tackles for loss. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Nine and nine, but nine and a half is actually can happen. It's not an over under here. Like, it, you know, where you got to land on one, nine and a half can happen. All right, Mr. King, we bow down waiting for your prediction. The champ is we here. All, the champ the is champ here. Is we are all like, you would be yeah. walking in and like, I can imagine you and your business as usual. So like you're, you're not coming in in like a full costume in an MMA match. You're probably coming in with just your gear ready to go. So no pomp and circumstance for you. You're just here to do business. So give us the score. <laughs> give us the total tackles for loss. What do you got? Well, I wanted to say this for Duke week, but I'm going to go 41 to nothing. I'm going to say the defense pitches a shutout. And I think opposite of you, Jacob, because of the reasoning of them getting so many points piled on them, that tech game and other games previously where teams have just 
piled on, piled on, and went on these incredible runs. Uh, Ron English, don't, don't, you know, have my back here. I, I'm gonna get some points for a shutout. All right, I'm finally, <laughs> finally calling it. I'm, I'm calling a goose egg. Uh, that would be impressive. That would be their third shutout of the year. Second against FBS opponent, yeah. Yeah, second in the conference. This is a team that I mean, you can definitely do that against. So yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, I'm not a. I'm not saying this against Ole Miss in 2019. Right, right. Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) This is actually like you being serious. Like this is the score. Uh, What do you have? Uh, Did you give me a tackles for loss total number? Did you? Yeah. What do you got there? Because if you're going, Uh, I'll go eight and a half. Eight and a half. Okay, so you're we're really playing this one close. Uh, <laughs> really, no, no, uh, no, no, like room for any gaps here. One of us is going to be uh, right, and then everybody else can be wrong. Or at least that's what we hope. It could be four tackles for loss, and that would be really on par with what we've care. done all year long. I don't care if they have four tackles. I don't. For yeah, loss, one tackle for loss, fifteen tackles mm-hmm. for losses. Just Means go nothing. out there and handle Virginia like you're supposed to go out there and handle Virginia. Yeah, like this a is win. Not- yeah. Is a win. That's the that's the goal. Um, and but I will say, Vince, we got to give you a little shout out here because yeah. you know we know f- for sure that uh, every week, whether you're on staff, a player, whether you're a fan, a Trinity football guy, you you give your all for the Ville. Like that's just who you are. It's in your DNA. You will always do that, whether you are 85, whether you are um, 35. But I don't think that fans appreciate enough what you're doing to your gut at a young age, uh, <laughs> consuming the breakfast that you consume every weekend. Josh Hart uh, has his run, and I have my thing. So yeah, you certainly have your run, no doubt. Because, <laughs> and I just, I just want to throw this out there, right? You really started a movement within our our group, and we're we're trying to get it to catch on. Uh, you got to convince folks about the five star bride bologna sandwich. It's certainly not the most appetizing of, of choices. There's, yeah, right. I mean, but if you were there's like, few things better in this world than a fried bologna sandwich just between two yeah. pieces of white bread. And even better with if you can put some mustard on there, like now you're really cooking. But oh uh, my god. <laughs> the way I told I told Presley last week, I don't know if you heard Jacob, but where I messed up was not getting the chicken sandwich as well. Yeah. 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 You you never can leave your significant other hanging, Vince. That's a life lesson that is a, a man that has been married for seven years and has been uh, with the same person now for almost 12, 13 years, um, you you got to always, always come through. They they are counting on you. And even if they're not, you put your best foot forward, man, and it goes a long way, Vince. That's that's the truth. There's life advice for you, buddy. Back on Five Star, they've got good breakfast burritos, too. I believe it. I believe Ooh. it. But again, the sacrifice that your gut that you're making in order to eat this breakfast, we can't thank you enough. You're, everybody's discounting the four shots of espresso mm-hmm. that they have in the mornings too. Yeah, and the raw coffee that you drink when you don't have filters. Have you know, coffee. like you. Yeah, no, I believe you do now. No, I know. My, I know your mom took care my, of you. So. She, my yeah, mother. Yeah, your heard mom. That <laughs> Here's a full Costco when, when package. You all know that my it. mother heard that and saw me at my sister's volleyball game and said, "I just ordered you some coffee filters from Amazon." I believe it, man. Always <laughs> taking, always taking care of of you, and that's exactly why we love her, man. That's that's the that's the type of mom behavior that we need. Always coming through with the little things, like I, when my father in law passed away. Like, no, not just a little like Uber or like a Uber Eats gift card. <laughs> not just like a little like flower. Now here's a full ass meal for 52 people that is just an italian dinner here you go like that's just the way that your mom operates so we appreciate that you know it's funny is like 
you all look at that as like so like it's hard to do mm-hmm. right like, like that's it's so easy to go get some canned tomatoes onions and garlic and just basil salt pepper garlic powder tomato paste that's really all you need yeah I mean, so my this family is... my family was poor when they came here that's what a lot of people don't a lot of italians were poor when they came to this country so we just you know it, it was mainly just tomatoes you know salt and pepper if we could afford it and then some gabagool there's no garlic yeah my halloween costume went as an italian guy and i did go to the bar with gabagool in my pocket i am so i need the picture dude i need the picture of that (laughs) all right well we will get out of here on that and let uh the folks who are listening to the show get on about their day um they certainly now know about Italian tradition and why Italian food, I guess, is yeah, so good. So thank you. Thank you, Vincent, for that. And thank you to built this the country. family. That's right. We built yeah. this country. One Christopher Columbus is a hero in this household. <laughs> Please don't cancel us. Please don't cancel us. <laughs> it's not a kid. <laughs> it's a Frano's quote. I know. I'm kidding. All right. We will get out of here on that from the Pink Seeds podcast. Follow us uh, anywhere that uh, – subscribe anywhere that you get your shows from. Follow us on YouTube at uh, Pink Seats Pod on Twitter. We can't thank you all enough for supporting us this season. Um, and we will roll into the weekend hoping for another W. Um, and next week, I believe, we will have a two-pack of shows. We'll see how schedules shake out. Uh, but uh, ho- hopefully with the game on Thursday, we can we can get some more content built into the week uh, as we go into Miami next week. We'll have a uh, correspondent on the ground in Miami, one Presley Meyer making the road trip down there. A little family vacation action. I'm hoping that uh, we can get some live reports from South Beach. Like, I would love to see Presley just, like, drinking, like, uh, you know, one of those, like, grenade-type drinks. I I know you would get those in, like, New Orleans. He's in Miami. He's going to drink a Cuban Relibre. Yeah, and and he's, like, a little, like, a... Exactly right. So, we will be back next week from the Pink Seats Podcast. Until then, go Cards.